0: Hello and welcome back to the Profit Podcast. I am your host today, Matt Robinson. Another short solo episode today to see out this short mini-series that we're covering on semi-private training. I am going to pick up where I left off last time. Paul did a great job in episode one, talking us through the what, the why, the when of semi-private and how it all fits into your business and when to start thinking about it. Then in episode two, the last one that was recorded by me, I talked about how we start that process of transitioning your business and some of the mindset and the obstacles as well that you might face when looking at implementing something like this. And then in today's show, we're going to go into the nitty gritty of how does a semi-private session actually happen? What do the logistics of it look like? What does the planning of it look like? And how does it all come together? Every personal trainer wants to have a long lasting, successful and fulfilling career. Yet still, so many struggle to gain momentum and end up settling for less than their potential or worse still, leaving the industry before they even get started. With over 30 plus years of experience of coaching clients and mentoring thousands of personal trainers, we have dedicated our professional lives to helping others reach that potential. We are your hosts, Paul Campy and Matt Robinson, and welcome to the ProFit Podcast, the best place to come for PT career success. So this is a topic that I have covered before in a previous episode. So some of you may have heard me speak about this before. I did an episode in June 2021 that was titled, How to Write Semi-Private Programs. So there's going to be a lot of the same foundational material in this episode here, um, but for those of you that haven't listened before, this should give you a great grounding and a great sort of framework to start thinking about how to structure semi-private sessions and how it might fit into your business alongside everything else that you're trying to do. Okay. So that's the the crux of what we're going into today. As always, I'm going to try and break this down for you in a simpler way possible. So the first part... I'm going to talk about some of the underlying context, some of the uh, assumptions, and things that we need to take care of before throwing someone into a semi-private session. And then in the second part, I'm going to go into the the actual session structure itself. That's probably going to be the main the main uh, portion of today's talk. So, without further ado, let's get into actually running semi-private sessions and what that looks like. Okay. So hopefully you've all listened to the episode that came before this one, because it does follow on from there. And just on the off chance that you haven't listened to that, one of the things I wanted to mention in today's episode, again, was the fact that in the previous episode, I'd mentioned something that I do with new people that join my business before I put them into a semi-private situation And for those of you that are already running a one-to-one business who are looking to transfer over to semi-private, you will already have this step taken care of with your current clients, but it's something to bear in mind with anyone new that you take on board. Okay. So one of the first things I mentioned was that when I do a consultation with someone in running a semi-private business, I taught them through the fact that what they're signing up for is semi-private training. But the first month of training they're going to do with me one-to-one as like a bit of an intensive month where I get them up to speed with all the main movements and understanding their warm-up and their corrective exercises and just sort of giving them a one-month immersion in, into exercise and movement so that when they go into the group, they themselves feel a bit more com- confident about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And then for the people that are already in the group, they don't feel like they're being... Slow down or having their session impacted too much by the inclusion of this new person. So it sort of takes care of both sides of that equation that you're thinking about when you're bringing people together. So I wanted to start with that context today. I wanted to start with that context of the programming structure that I'm going to run through today is done on the premise that you've actually spent some time with this person before throwing them into their full-time semi-private group. Now, how you teach them the fundamentals and the foundations is completely up to you. You might do that in a one-to-one setting, like I've spoken about. I know that some trainers that I work with run a bit of a a foundational group session that they run constantly. So anyone new that comes into their business has to attend like a, a group on a Saturday morning And that's where they teach the foundations of movement for their current clients. They might use it as a catch-up session or something like that. But for anyone new coming in, they join that group for a month to learn all the foundations. And then they go into their full-time semi-private sessions. So we want to make sure that we've got those things covered first. We want to make sure that we've still done some sort of assessment on them. We want to make sure that this person understands how to warm up effectively, because they're going to be expected to do that when they join our session. And we're going to want to make sure that we've got an idea of what that person looks like when they're performing certain movements and what considerations we need to make when programming certain movements for this person, because it's all well and good taking care of the foundations of training, but we need to understand at what level they're at currently. Okay. So I wanted to make sure that we've got that in place first. That piece for me is really, really important because although it might sound like a bit of a ball lake up front to have to spend that time with a person, I think that it's, it's absolutely pivotal to making your semi-private business work because it gives you a lot of confidence that you know what you're doing with a person and you know how to program with them. It gives you a massive opportunity to get to know that person really well. And then it makes bringing that person into a group and that integration phase far easier because you know what you're going to be doing with that person. You know who in the group might be at a similar level to them. You already know enough about the person to get them chatting with the others and talking about you know, similar areas of interest and stuff like that. So this initial phase isn't just about the physical side of the training. It's also about getting to know the person on a social side as well and, and bringing them in and making them feel part of the team from day one. If you're going to sign someone up and immediately throw them into a group where there's already three people that know each other, unless they're a really outgoing person and quite outspoken and quite confident, they might find that a really difficult environment to go into. And retention wise, you might really struggle. Okay. So this way around, spend a bit more time with them up front, but then it makes your job easier in the long run. And it makes that client experience far better as well. Okay. So, That's the bit I wanted to make sure we got out the way first. I wanted to make sure we understood all of that because it's a really key piece that I think would be easy to miss. And I can foresee a situation where trainers try this semi-private stuff without doing that bit first and then suddenly find themselves three months in going, this semi-private model doesn't seem to work. People just keep leaving and it's really hard to get people working together. That's true. If you're not doing that bit that I've just described there and that I covered in the previous episode. So go back to last episode if you haven't listened to that one already. I cover it in a bit more detail. And hopefully just hearing that again today will give you a reminder to make sure you take care of that. So now that we've got that little piece out of the way and that little bit of context, let's start to look at how you might go about structuring a semi-private session, what it might include, what it might not include. And and how to start thinking about this because the actual logistics of programming a session can be one of these major blockers for trainers that we talked about in the last episode. It could be one of these mental things that puts you off even starting. And even if you do push yourself to do it, it can be a bit of a minefield in terms of understanding what goes where in terms of the training. And this is one of the reasons that me and Paul always recommend that this is something you consider once you've got experience training and coaching plenty of people Because you just want to have developed that skill of being able to think on your feet, understand progressions and regressions really easily, and just generally be more experienced and a bit more able to adapt to certain situations that might crop up within your training sessions. That being said, the actual programming and planning of the sessions, we feel, doesn't need to be too dissimilar to what you would do for a one to one client, because essentially what you've got here, is a collection of one-to-one clients. We are treating this as small group personal training. It is still personal training. Each person has still got a plan. It's just that they are executing that plan alongside other people who are, are also executing similar plans, okay? So before we zoom in and look at specifics, let's zoom out and look at some basic principles we want to make sure we cover. Now, regardless of what a person's goal is, it is our belief that there are certain things they should be taking care of within their session that remain consistent across the board. This is even if someone's, you know, a bit more advanced, regardless of whether they're a beginner or intermediate or whatever. There's certain things that most sessions are going to want and need to include. And they basically revolve around key movements and movement patterns that we're going to want our clients to be really, really strong and efficient in. So. We're going to want most of our sessions to include our main lower body movement patterns. So we're going to want squat. We're going to want hinge. We're going to want lunge in there. We're then going to want some of the more upper body focused elements, push, pull, carry. And then we're also going to want some of the other foundational things in there as well, like bracing, which is where you are involved in the core. And we're also going to want some sort of conditioning element as well, where we, taxing the cardiovascular system okay so we want to be ticking plenty of those boxes it's just figuring out how you're going to tick those boxes for each individual based on where they're at in that moment in time okay so the way i would start thinking about structuring these sessions is not just thinking about what's the exercise that i'm going to program for that person start to think about, well, what's the movement I'm going to program for the whole group? What's the movement I want them to hit at that point? So movement one might be hinge. And then you can use that as a jumping off point to say to yourself, okay, so what is person one's version of a hinge? What is person two's version of a hinge? What is person three's version of a hinge? And it gives you a much better structure to think about. You might then pair that up with an upper body movement and you might say, I'm going to pair that hinge with a pull. Okay, what's person one's pull? It might be some sort of rowing movement. Person twos might be more of a vertical pull. It might be something different that they need to work on. Person threes might be some sort of single arm pulling action because they're a bit newer and we're still trying to balance things up. So you can start to see how this will all come together. What I would suggest based on experience is it always helps to keep keep people moving as much as possible. So if you've got three people in your group, I would be tempted to program three movements together and then essentially get the people moving around those three exercises one after the other and just keep them moving and keep them doing their movement patterns and then giving them a short rest afterwards. Similarly, if there was four in the group, I'd give them a set of four movements and let them complete all four before taking that rest period. You could get them working in pairs and get them you know, just doing two exercises and get two people working on one movement, two people working on another, and then give some rest and do it more as a superset. But I do find that it works best if you can keep people moving and it's not a case of, well, two people are working, one person's resting, and now we're changing over. And it gets a bit of a nightmare in terms of keeping on top of rest periods and workloads and things like that. I much prefer to just keep people moving as much as possible. Because regardless of what training phase they're on, regardless of what you're going to read in a textbook, the chances are most of our clients just need to keep moving and they just need to move more than they do generally. So if we keep them moving as much as possible, that's always going to help them in some way or another, assuming that they're moving in a a safe manner and in a way that makes sense. Okay. So Just to quickly reiterate that, we've got our core movement patterns. That's how I would think about programming in a semi private setting squat, lunge, hinge. We've got push, pull, carry, and we've got brace and conditioning. Okay. We want to cover those as much as possible. So you're going to structure your sessions around those core movement patterns, unless you're coming at this from a completely different mindset in regards to training and you've got a different philosophy, that's absolutely fine. I'm just sharing the type of philosophy that I've used over the last few years that's worked really well for me in my business and the organization of my sessions. And providing we can get everyone doing those things in their own way really well, really efficiently and really strong, we can then take care of other things Outside of the session, so things like nutrition, where people might need completely different approaches based on their goals. We might need to give people some assistance work that they can either do at home or in the gym during their own time. And there's lots of different things that we can start to program for individuals outside of those group semi-private sessions. But the group sessions themselves are fairly standardized in terms of movement patterns, But once you start to break down the movement patterns, you start to see how there are lots of different exercises that can hit that one movement pattern. So it doesn't mean that they can't be varied. There should always be a good level of variety in there once someone has got through a block of training and you're moving on to the next thing. okay? so I've gone into a little bit of detail there. I just want to try and take that one step further for you. I mentioned in the previous episode that recorded on this back in June 2021, I mentioned that normally when I'm teaching this to a trainer, you know, I've got Excel spreadsheets up on the screen and I'm showing them what an actual session plan looks like and all of this. And I give them a template to go and use. So it's quite difficult to sort of convey that same message um, in an audio format. But if I just break down a typical type of session that I would do with a group of four, hopefully that will that will lend itself to being a bit more um, a bit easier to take in. Let's say so. I would bring my group of four people into the gym, and quite often we would train in like a rig type area where we've got a lot lot of flexibility for movements and things like that. Obviously, it depends what sort of setting and environment you're in, but I generally like a space where there's a lot of floor space. There's a lot of room around us to do things. Um, And rigs these days often still have squat racks on them. They have room to do pull-ups. You've got TRX handles on there. You've got kettlebells, dumbbells, you've got mats. So there's lots of variety that you can work with there. I would get my four individuals each doing their own warm-ups. If I've had time to set up the session beforehand, then they'll have already set it up. If not, I'll be setting... The first four key stations up as they're warming up, and I'll be having a bit of a chat with everyone, checking how everyone is. They're going to spend the first five, 10 minutes going through their key warm up movements. As soon as that warm up's finished, we are ready to go. They will already have an idea of the type of work that we're, we're doing. So I will essentially go around those first four movements and say, This station is your squat station. And I'll quickly remind each person of what their exercise is on that one. This is your push station. Third one, this is your lunge station. Fourth one, this is your pull station. Okay. And we'll get one person on each station ready to work. They know the rep range. They know what we're doing and they know where they're moving next and off they go. So at that point, I just let them crack on. I'm not counting reps. I'm not, overly fussed about counting tempos and things like that what i'm doing is i'm working around the space i'm working the floor and i'm just touching base with each person saying let's get a little inch lower on that squat there let's make sure we're pulling them elbows and shoulders back at the same time on that row i'm just giving those those little touch points based on what each individual needs now this is where for you as a coach I believe you've got to be really, really on it is when everyone's moving, when everyone's working, it's got to feel to the individuals like you're on top of them all the time. Even though there's only three or four of them in the group, it's got to feel like, God, he's he's constantly got his eye on me. He's constantly giving me that bit of feedback. I think it's got to feel like you're still paying the same attention to them as you would be doing in a one-to-one session. And I do think you can do that. If you're constantly moving around and forcing yourself to give a little bit of feedback and give a little bit of help, doesn't mean you're constantly going to have to correct someone because if, if the movement's right, then the movement's right, but let the person know that the movement's right as you're going around. So, very simply, everyone completes their, their first set, their reps, and we all move around at a similar time. Doesn't matter if people are moving at a slightly different time because the chances are on the next station. They're doing a slightly different movement anyway, so they're probably not using exactly the same kit as that person. They might be using a different weight or a different setup or a slightly different movement, and we all sort of move around as we go. Once everyone's completed the four exercises, two-minute breather, quick chat, quick drink, off we go again. We're going to go through that for three rounds. We're then going to do another group of four movements based on similar types of things, so we'll probably change up a couple of bits here and there. It might be that in that second section, we go for one of the lower body movements that we haven't done yet. We'll probably throw in a brace into that um, and we might throw into there like a, a carry as well. Get through those four movements three times and then bit at the end is where we can add in a little bit of variety every session. This is where we might do some conditioning work. We might do a bit of ab work, you know, give your clients a little bit of what they want at the end of the session, something a bit more fun. The key eight movements that we've done earlier on are probably going to stay the same for the next six to eight weeks with progressions along the way in terms of increasing weights and stuff like that. But this bit at the, the end can change every session. This is where there's that bit of variety and that bit of fun. So get them working together, get them working against each other, get them trying things that they wouldn't normally do, move around the gym potentially and use different bits of kit and different areas, get them comfortable using other areas of the gym and just use this last five or 10 minutes for that little bit of creativity at the end. Final piece on this is it's then up to you what you do at the end regarding time in terms of taking them through some sort of structured cool down or stretch off, or whether you leave them to do that on their own, if they already know what they're doing. Some people are really good at that and they quite like to do that themselves. But that there should hopefully paint a picture of what an average type of semi-private group session looks like okay the only other thing to consider with any of this is is what it potentially looks like for you on paper and how you're monitoring it as you go along now for me personally i still run these sessions as i would a one-to-one session each person has their own individual plan so i'm i'm just monitoring the three or four plans as we go through the session that takes a bit of organization but it should do like it, that's it's just what's required it's you know that's your entropy um but i suppose you could potentially set up some sort of sheet where you've got station one and then it's sort of split into four so you've got each person that you can record next to it and then the same for station two station three and you know as you go through your session it might be that you have to program it slightly differently if you're using an app it's up to you how you get it down on paper or how you record it. That's up to you to figure out, but the core principles of what you're going to be doing with the people remain the same. Okay. So my main hope off the back of today is that you start to realize that semi-private training doesn't have to be complicated. It is simple in its principles. It is slightly more difficult in its execution than a one-to-one session, but that's simply why we explain and recommend that you do this once you've got a bit of experience If you've got the experience, it is far easier to do this because it's easier to stay on top of people. It's easier to coach people in a way where you can explain something in three words rather than four sentences. And you're probably working at that point with clients that are slightly more experienced. So your initial entry into semi-private should be that little bit easier because there's that slightly less coaching required, which means that if you're bringing a new person into the group, you can afford to spend slightly more time with them because the other two or three people already know what they're doing and chances are they'll want to help out and show that person how to do things as well. So that's all for today. Fairly short and sharp today's episode, but covering all the main bits that you need. As always, if you've got any questions or if there's any specifics we haven't covered, then please feel free to reach out. Find me on Instagram at Matt Robinson PT. You can find Paul over at Coach Camper. Reach out with any questions, any feedback. Just let us know if there's anything you're still struggling because this is the end of the little semi-private series that we're doing, and we're going to move on to something else next week. But semi-private training is something we wanted to touch on again because it is something that we get asked a hell of a lot about, especially this side of things, the programming side. So reach out if you need anything. If not, thank you very much for joining us again today. We'll hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, have a great week. Have a fantastic time running your business. And if you need anything, we are here to help. Catch you later. If you've enjoyed the show so far or just this particular episode, then please feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to leave us a rating and review. And as always, we want you to tune in next time. So hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And we will catch you again very soon in our latest ProFit podcast episode. Take care and we will see you very shortly.